Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so you can develop products that your customers love. Today, we're talking about creating product strategy. Our guest is Bob Caparelli. Bob is the author of the book, Creative Strategy Generation, and also the founder of the company by similar name, Strategy Generation Company. He is a strategic practitioner, having spent 20 years leading product, marketing, and business functions for large international companies. And I first heard of Bob when he was president of Sequent Learning, the product management training company, and he has since founded, now a few years, we might get into this here a little bit, and leads the strategy generation company. Bob believes that strategy is derived from a combination of experience, insight, and creativity. I like those three factors. Also, if you want to go back to a detailed summary of anything we talk about, this is a great tool for you to share with others if you want to have colleagues catch up on what we talked about today. You'll find a written summary of everything we discuss, including the key takeaways, the key insights that Bob will share at productmasterynow.com slash 453. This episode is made possible and brought to you by the Rapid Product Master Experience, the RPM Experience. This helps product VPs and leaders get their product managers and everyone else contributing product to increase performance on the same page with each other, working in alignment towards those North Star objectives. It works best for new teams or established teams that are really facing a big challenge in front of them. Teams learn the seven essential product knowledge areas and they build trust and collaboration along the way. It's unlike other training, it really is an experience as we learn together. To see how it's unique and how it might help you, please go to productmasterynow.com slash RPM for a rapid product mastery experience. Bob, really glad to be talking about strategy with you today. Yeah, it's great to be here, Chad. Thanks for having me. I wanted to just dive in into what is product strategy, right? We can start there. You can bring in any kind of experience that you want. You have a wealth of experience. As we were just chatting before we turned on recording, I feel like I know you because I've watched your work over the years, things that you've done for the community. But when we talk about strategy, that by itself is sometimes a confusing word. And I want to just kind of set the context, right? What is product strategy? So this it's a big question, right? With a probably a way longer answer than you want, but I'll give you the answer <laughs> that I have and stop me along the way. But I think to answer product strategy, at least in my definition, you have to first say what is strategy, as you rightly said. And unfortunately, it is confusing to people. It seems like it's a subject that shouldn't be that confusing, but it does tend to get overcomplicated. And we probably all contribute to that in, <laughs> to some extent. But at the end of the day, most people will say a strategy is a plan to achieve some set of objectives, right? That's like kind of the simplest version, some type of a plan, usually a longer range plan to achieve some set of objectives. But I actually add to that definition a little bit because I think the part that most people miss about strategy, it's not just a plan to achieve a set of of objectives. It's a plan to achieve a set of objectives under a set of anticipated conditions. And that's the part that makes strategy strategic, to be honest with you. So, you know, if I have objectives and I put a plan together, that's fine. Maybe the plan works, maybe the plan doesn't. But the real thing about strategy is looking at the situation you're in and then trying to anticipate what that situation is going to be and then put a plan in place to achieve your objectives under those conditions that you think are going to happen, right? And so if you do that, now you can put together a plan that if those conditions are true, then your plan works, right? And so that's the whole thing about strategy. So we Use that definition, which is really the definition of any business strategy or any strategy overall. When you talk about a product strategy, you're talking about doing that at a product level, right? So that's the idea. And I would say that in business, we have many different layers. We have the overall business, we have the business units, we have portfolios, we have products, 
and you can develop strategies at any one of those levels. So when someone comes to me and talks about product strategy, I'm thinking about it at that portfolio and product level, but it's still that big picture. What is it that we want to do? Who are we going to be? What's that long range plan? So that's the idea. Yeah. Okay. So that bigger picture, we might call it the organizational or company, or maybe at a business unit level of that strategy. And maybe that's an element that is simply stated, we need to grow revenue 10% this year, right? Or we're going to go pursue this new market. And that could make its way down into the product level. We say, okay, how are we going to do that revenue? Do we, can we enhance our product and sell it to more people? Can we sell it to a new market? Can we build a new product to generate that revenue? That's exactly right. Because at the big corporate level, They're going to be talking about big objectives, big initiatives, right? Big things they want to do. They want to grow by acquisition. This is who they want to be in these markets, things like that. But they're not going to define that down to each individual product that makes up that corporation. So the job of product managers, product leaders is then to take those bigger strategies and then break them down and say, okay, what's the impact to my product and how am I going to contribute to that bigger strategy? And then your now going to be putting together a strategy that's detailing out what you need to do for that product in order to contribute to the overall business strategy. So it's still at that big picture level. Now, the one thing I will say though, is a lot of times companies approach me or people approach me asking for help with their product strategy. And they're really focused on their roadmap and saying, what do I, what features do I need to build into the product? And how do I choose one feature over another and everything else? And I would say, although that is part of a product strategy, that is not the whole picture. That's kind of like the end step of the product strategy. That's the result of it. But if a lot of companies or people feel that's the product strategy, like the roadmap equals the strategy, I would say that's something that needs to be rethought. Because if you're just focused on what features you're building into the product, you could still take a lot of random actions that make no sense because you don't have the bigger picture behind it. So the bigger picture is really what I focus on. Yeah, if it's that plan to achieve objectives in some given context, right, under under the set of conditions, features itself doesn't relate necessarily to those objectives. It, it, we have to make sure there's alignment with that context. And alignment is a big deal for me, and maybe I, I overemphasize it, but when I was a younger engineer in my career, being an engineer was great because you get to build stuff, right? And I didn't particularly care at the time why I was building. I just got to build stuff. Exactly. Um, but... <laughs> If you're a product person, if you want your ideas heard and you want to move things forward, and a lot of people are product people because we like that bigger picture, it's really important for us to understand the larger strategy and how our work helps to deliver on what the organization is expecting overall. That's absolutely right. And I'm an engineer as well, right? And I consider myself a creator, right? That's where all the creative stuff is. I love building things. And so a lot of times that's what I do. I build what I think would be cool. And even though I'm doing it probably through a lens of what a customer might want or a problem that needs to be solved. I'm not always doing it through the lens of what do I really want to do as a company? What's really going to be successful? How does it fit into the bigger picture? So if you're just focused on building cool things, some of them are going to hit, some of them are not, but it doesn't mean that any of them are strategic, right? So you need that overall strategy, the overall plan. What is it I'm trying to do to make sure that you're guiding the development product, you're guiding the feature development, And that's why this product strategy piece is so important. I'm taking a short break from the interview to tell you about my favorite annual conference for product managers and leaders. It is the PDMA Inspire Innovation Conference. PDMA, the Product Development and Management Association, has been researching, developing, and curating the product management body of knowledge and innovation body of knowledge for us since 1976. That's about 50 years of product knowledge and expertise 
that I bet you're unfamiliar with. I certainly am not familiar with all of it, and I love learning more. This is where people new to product work go to meet those with deep experience, and it's also where those of us with deeper experience go to network. This year, I'll be attending sessions, networking, and interviewing several of the speakers that are discussing topics on product innovation processes, customer insights, portfolio management, and much more. It's held September 16th to 19th in New Orleans, so just coming up in a few weeks. You can check it out now by going to pdma.org. And when you come to the conference, please introduce yourself as I love to meet listeners. I will be spending some of my time in what they call the Innovation Cafe. So when you come, look for the Innovation Cafe. That's where I'll be interviewing speakers. And it's a great conference. Again, check out pdma.org to find out more. Hope to see you there. A moment ago, you started talking about who is involved in product strategy, right? It's not the top level of the organization. Let's dive into that a little bit more. Who's responsible for developing strategy for, or sorry, specifically for product strategy? Yeah. So this is a not so easy an answer either. The short answer is whoever is responsible for the P&L of the product is the person that ultimately should be accountable for the product strategy. That doesn't mean that they're the only ones developing it. I'm a big proponent of, you know, strategy should be developed with a team, especially in a business environment, because if you're singularly responsible for developing the strategy, you're going to miss a lot of things, right? There's no way that you can take all of the inputs that are required for product strategy and go out and try and get that stuff yourself, right? So you really need a team supporting you, but there does need to be one person accountable for it. And it's usually the P&L owner. Now, this varies from business to business, right? There are some businesses where product managers act as that product business owner, and they're the ones that own the P&L, and in which case they would be the ones responsible for product strategy. But you go down to small businesses, for example, where you may not have a product manager, or maybe a product manager serves a different purpose or has a different role. In that case, if let's say the general manager is responsible for, or even the owner is responsible for the P&L, they would be the ones ultimately accountable for the strategy. So wherever the ownership of the P&L is, that's who should own the strategy. Now, in most large corporations where you have product managers and those product managers do have P&L responsibility, I would say the product manager is the one that's accountable for the strategy. And most of the work that I do it's in that environment. So 90% of the time, product managers are the people that I'm working with. Okay. The P&L is a great thing to center on, right? Whoever has that P&L responsibility is also responsible for strategy. Yeah. In the companies that you've helped with, how do you see the, the ping-ponging path between the person who's responsible for that product strategy and senior leadership above that person in some sense? for overall strategy, right? Because there, there's some kind of negotiation, alignment, verification, right? Validating, yes, we believe in your product strategy, but that's going to help support. We see how that fits together and there, there's iterations that take place. Can you just talk into how that kind of takes place in companies? Yeah, sure. So first of all, I'll say if there's even any problem in that alignment, that's a better problem to have than leadership not being involved in product strategy at all. Because one of the biggest deficiencies I see, especially in some larger companies, is that if they don't have a verifiable and disciplined product strategy process, product managers aren't necessarily going to do it as the first thing that they wake up in the morning thinking of. Strategy is something that can very easily fall to the back burner because product managers are doing so many other things, right? Most of them reactive. And so if you're not required to build a product strategy, I'm afraid to say you might not. And mm -hmm. I actually like to see when there are leaders involved in product strategy saying, hey, we want you to update the product strategy. 
on a quarterly, annual, whatever basis. We want you to present it back to us because then that ensures that some level of alignment will happen right now with that. Yes, you can get some leaders that would be a little over-involved and say, this is what we want to have happen and so forth. But as long as there's a process where the product managers are responsible for developing strategy, then there's a negotiation that happens, right? And in lieu of the product strategy, then the leaders are going to tell you what you need to do with your products. And some of that might not be right. So to me, when you go into an organization and they have a disciplined strategy process between leadership and product managers, that's the best case scenario. There are challenges with it, but that's the best case scenario for sure. I like your position on that, that this is a really healthy situation and we should expect the senior leaders to be involved. And part of that is because we want to optimize what we're doing across the organization, not just in one maybe product function per se. And I've been on that executive team where we've all agreed around the team what needed to get moved forward in the organization and then see how it's actually implemented in specific functions and work being done to be at odds with each other, where as a system, we're decreasing the overall system performance instead of increasing it. Exactly. You think about in a very large organization, you have product managers, even if every one of them has their own product strategy, they're all asking for some level of investment, some level of resource, and they're all kind of thinking they're going to get it. Someone's got to bring all that together because clearly you can't give endless resources to every single person in a large organization. So You have to have some process whereby you're reconciling all these different product asks and then feeding back to the product managers. Okay. Yeah, we will support this. We won't support that. And then you temper your expectations accordingly. So without that process, which is surprisingly absent from many larger companies, believe it or not, but without that overall reconciliation process, things can fall apart pretty quickly because now leaders will expect the world from product teams but the product teams don't have access to the resources to give them the world. And so it just creates all these false expectations and frustrations and things like that. So to me, the product strategy process in a disciplined way is the solution to most of those problems. Excellent. You have a framework for developing product strategy. So I I want to make this more tactical for listeners and give them some good takeaways here about now we have a good foundation of what product strategy is, where it lives with that person responsible for P&L. Alignment is important here. How do we actually go about developing a product strategy? Yeah, it's a great question and I'm happy to answer it. And I do have a framework for product strategy. It is completely available on my website, which I assume I'll give some information on later in the podcast. Sure. But yeah, you're welcome to but give yeah, the URL so, so people, if you'd like to. Yeah, it's, it's the company is Strategy Generation Company. So the URL is strategygeneration.com. And I give that only because I tend to make a lot of these frameworks and tools available for free. I want people to utilize them. I'm not one that tries to hide things closest to me where I... My business is based on if you need help with these things, I'm here to help. But the framework itself, I want people to utilize. So it's available for free. But essentially, it has it has 10 steps to it, which sounds like a lot, but it's split into four parts or four layers, right? So I can go through each one of those if you'd like. You know, if people do download the framework and then listen to this podcast with the framework in front of them, it'll probably make a lot more sense than me rambling on. But I'm happy to go through what those steps are. Okay. And just so quick note for listeners. So if you're not in the car or at the gym, you're actually at a computer, happen to be listening. <laughs> sounds like it would be useful to go to website strategygeneration.com and find this resource. Is there a name to look for on that website for this? Yeah, there's a bunch of places that you could get it. So if you go to, I think there's a link for our company and then it shows the framework and you could download the framework from there. There's a button, just okay. takes you to another part of the site. There's also another thing. I have a place where I actually 
show our strategy for the company. And there at the bottom of that, there's actually a guide to the framework. So it explains how to use the framework as well. So you could download that for free as well there. But yes, make sure you're in a place that you can safely view it. But here's the idea behind the framework. If, if we want to go into it a little bit is there's four layers. And so the first thing you're going to see when you look at the framework is that these 10 steps and four layers, it's all built in a circular reference. So it's a circular framework, which um, seems a little bit counterintuitive because most people want to go through strategy in steps, right? And when you're building a strategy, you will go through it in steps. So the steps are numbered on the framework. But the reason that I developed it in a circular way is because in real life, when you're executing on your strategic plan, things don't happen linearly, right? So you're going to make an assumption on something and that that assumption is either going to be true or not, or something's going to change, like what happened with COVID three years ago, right? Or however long ago that was. Things don't always go the way that you thought that they would go. So it's important that yes, you follow a step process, but that you also know that if something changes, you know where in the process you need to pull something out and put something back in, and then you'll see how it affects everything. So the circular reference is important to me, at least uh, in developing it. But to go through it a little bit, there's four distinct layers. So the first layer is what I refer to as the context layer. So because strategy can be developed at so many different layers in a company, it's important you know what the context is. So if you're developing a product strategy, you want to list out this strategy is about this product, right? So it's the context. And along with that is the vision. So what is the big picture of what you're trying to do? What's the purpose of you putting together a strategy? That's the first piece of it. Then the second layer is what I refer to as the analysis layer. So this is where you look at your situation. And the three pieces of that are the three C's of business, right? I didn't make that up, but the customers, competitors, and your own company. So those are the three kind of elements that you want to look at. Look at what situation you're in try and predict what situation it's going to be in the future, and then use that as the basis for putting together your plan. So that second layer. The third layer is the planning layer. So this is where the strategy lives. So this is where you put together your more distinct goals. So what are you trying to achieve with your strategy? You look at the options that are available to you based on the situation analysis, and then you choose which actions you want to take from those options. So all of that gets done in the planning layer. And then the final layer, which is the outer part of the circle, is the execution layer. It's more of a plan for execution. And so here, what we have is three parts. This is where you put together your roadmap. So take your bigger initiatives or actions, break them down into some investment roadmap. Different than a technology roadmap, by the way, this is really more of a strategic investment roadmap. And then from that, determine your investment and then determine what are the results that you're going to get from your strategy. So that's all the execution plan. If I did that, that's 10 steps within those four layers. That's basically what the framework is. So if you picked that up and tried to develop a strategy from scratch, you would just go each of those 10 steps and build each one of them out. And then if you're using this to manage a strategy, you can see where things might've changed and then see what effect it has on the other layers. So that's basically the idea. So we got the four elements, the context. So what we're doing, the vision overall, the analysis layer, what's going on with our customers, always key, our competitors' actions, the company itself, or maybe our core capabilities, yep. the planning layer, the distinct goals we're going to have, the potential actions we can take, the actions we actually do implement, those actions, and then the execution mm -hmm. layer, what we're going to invest in, getting those investments done and the results we tend to seek. Is there an example that you could talk through some of those that would help us put those together in place? Yeah, it's a difficult thing to to do a specific example, right? I get asked a lot, like, what is an example of a strategy that you've done? And I said, I work with a lot of clients that don't like me sharing their strategies. <laughs> so, sure, yeah. But to give yeah. you like more of a generic kind of idea, right? If you have a product that you're trying to 
have a strategy for. I'll just, just take any type of a generic product. Very first thing you want to do is understand what the strategy is about. Are you going to be doing it about your product? Is it about the portfolio? Is it about something else? So what are you trying to accomplish with this product? And in some cases, you might have a product that is failing, right? Something that's not doing so well. It's not meeting your objectives, in which case the context is we need to fix something, right? Or in other cases, you have a product that's been doing really well. You have a leading share. And in this case, you want to make sure you're maintaining that share or maybe finding other ways to grow it. So that's all how that context would work. So once you have that established, now what you would want to do is go through the analysis layer. So the first thing you do is look at your company, right? So an example of that, what kind of performance has your product been doing? Is it been performing the way you want it to? Has it not? So you're going to look at revenue. You're going to look at market share. You're going to look at your profitability backwards and also current state, see where you are, look at your strengths and your weaknesses. So that's all part of that. Then you're going to look at your customer analysis. So customer examples is you're going to be looking at segmentation. So which, how is the market segmented, right? And which segments do you actually want to play in and which ones don't you? And then of course, in there also looking at your customer needs. So what are the needs of the customers that you actually want to serve? And what are the things that you think can be different than what's out there already? And then the last part of that analysis is the competition, right? So if you have this product that you're trying to put a strategy on, what does the competition look like? Who is the competition today? Who is the competition likely to be in the future? What are strengths and weaknesses and so forth? So that's just kind of little examples of things that we consider in that stage when you're looking at a product strategy. Then you go into the planning, goals, options, action. That becomes a little bit more obvious. The good news about the planning stage is once you've done, the analysis is really all about identifying problems that you need to be solved or opportunities that you need to go after. So once you identify that from the analysis, it's almost like the plan writes itself, right? Because all I need to do is decide which things I want to solve for and which opportunities I want to go after based on my analysis. And that's my strategy. So the good news is that kind of is the easiest part. And a lot of people are taken aback by that. They expect that they're going to spend the most time in the planning stage. And in fact, where you spend the most time is in the analysis stage because the analysis writes your plan, right? So that's uh, an idea of that. And then the execution is really where it all lives because one of the biggest pet peeves I have is people end at the plan, right? They say, these are the initiatives I want to have and my strategy is done. I said, wait a minute, strategy is not for free, right? So you're going to need resources and money and investment and things of that nature. So you have to put that together in the form of some investment roadmap. And that's what we do in the execution phase. And I always am very distinct in this as well. If people ask for a certain investment and they go to their leadership and their leadership says, we're not going to support this. Don't fall into the trap of them also saying, but we still want you to deliver on this strategy. No, if I don't get the money, right, then the plan is not going to be valid. So you can't have it both ways. So that execution piece is really all about the investment and making sure that you're getting the resources you need. So without getting into specific companies and so forth, that's the general things that I'll deal with when putting together a product strategy. Give us a a cycle of work. Like, Organizational strategy comes out maybe once a year, maybe they update that uh, every six months or every quarter. Overall, we're doing, often organizations are doing an annual kind of look at what to do and a periodic update. From a product perspective, at say at that beginning of the year, we have the organizational strategy coming out, we're aligning our product strategy to that, figuring out how we can deliver on the organizational strategy. What are kind of checkpoints that make sense, I don't know, on a scheduled basis or on a, oh, crud, this thing happened basis, that that we revisit strategy. 
So definitely on the crud part, <laughs> whenever something changes big, you need to revisit it. There's no doubt about it. And especially if it's something major, right? So there's no no question about that. To be very honest, things usually don't move that drastically <laughs> for most people. You know, what happened with COVID that I referenced before, that was out of the ordinary. But in most cases, yeah. you're not going to have that kind of a major impact that happens on a very regular basis. So what I usually recommend, and again, I'll go to a large company scenario because most of what I work within, but most larger companies who do this in a way that I think is admirable, almost every company is going to have some type of an annual planning session sometime probably in the October timeframe for putting together the purpose of putting together the next year's budget, next year's plan. So that's going to happen. So usually the best time to revisit your strategy, which is the longer term view of that is usually sometime in Q1, maybe Q2, right? So maybe about six months before your annual planning process. So if you get into the right kind of a mind frame, what you're going to do is you're going to do your long-term refresh sometime February, March, whatever that ends up being. And that's going to define maybe the three to five-year plan. And then you're going to do your annual plan six, seven months after that. And what you should be doing is taking the first year of your strategy, which is the long-range plan, and using that as a basis for your annual plan. And then when you get to your strategy refresh six months after that, then you're refreshing your long-term plan. So that's the cycle that I would normally recommend. And then in between that, especially at a product level, most larger companies, they have product teams that are meeting on some regular basis. So if you're meeting with your product team, let's say once a month, some are meeting more frequently than that. But if you're reviewing your results of your product business once a month, then you should be reviewing your strategy at that point as well. Seeing what's changed, is things still going as planned or any of assumptions differently? So you're refreshing the strategy as you go, but you're taking that annual planning process and taking the opportunity to present it back to leadership in more of a formal way, at least once a year. So that's the cycle that I would usually go on. That gives us some boundaries just about when we're thinking about strategy. And this is tough for us to go back and forth, frankly, right? It's tough for us as product people. We get stuck in the everyday tactical work and putting up fires and hopefully listening to customers. We're doing all the work the product managers care about to create great products, add value to customers. And then it's step back from time to time and think strategically. It's just a mind shift for most of us. It's not a cycle we're in all the time. And so it's good to have a plan in place for when we should be making those shifts to prepare for that. Another question, somewhat random about this. I want to get your take on competitors. So your analysis layer, it makes sense to me that this is where most of the work is done in that analysis. That This is Einstein's quote. I don't know if he actually said it. I don't think he did. But right, the, if I had only an hour to solve a problem, big problem, I spend the first 55 minutes analyzing it, and then the solution would be self-evident. I spend the last five minutes on the solution. Yeah. So we do a lot of analysis. I'd like to get your take on competitors a little bit in this. My take is I sometimes see product managers either being lazy and companies being lazy and say, we're going to pay attention to our competitors because we want to beat them. And that's what's most important. And sometimes doing things competitors are doing because they did them without actually having their own relationships with customers and knowing what really is creating value and guessing if the competitor got it right or not. Maybe I'm overstating that. I'm curious about your take on the competitor part of that. Yeah. So two things, the beating competitor thing is a natural instinct that we have, right? And there's a lot of theories about this, strategic theories, that like blue ocean theory that you should be going where competitors aren't, right? And there's other theories around that as well. So rather than trying to beat competitors, think about 
how you could do things completely different in playing spaces where they're not, which I tend to agree with where you can do that. In business as in life, competition is going to happen. You're going to run right up against certain competitors. And in some cases, you are going to have to win against those competitors. So I think having that healthy competitive view is a good thing. But when you're doing that, here's the thing. Nothing drives me crazier than going into a company and them saying, competitor A did this. We need to do it too. And they think that just because they do the same thing as one of their competitors and they slap their name on it, that they're going to be more successful than the competitor. It's kind of this ego that we all have, right? Of course, if we do it, people are going to flock to us. And you say, you have to convince them that no, (laughs) that's not the way it works somebody's already supplying the market with this exact solutions just because you do it with your name. Yeah. There's going to be a handful of loyalists that come over to you because they like your brand better than your competitors. But by and large, if you're not doing anything differently, then you're not necessarily going to succeed. And I cannot tell you the number of strategic plans that I have seen and (laughs) attempted to correct where that's exactly the plan is competitor A is doing this. We need to have it too. And say, okay, but did you consider that it's already out there? So you having it is not necessarily going to draw any new customers to you. You have to do something different. And the answer to that always lies in the customer part of the analysis. Go out to the customers and find out what are they not getting today that they wish they were getting. Or if they are getting something from a competitor, what do they really love about that that you can improve upon or enhance or something different, right? So that's really the main thing about the competition part of it. The other thing I always like, and there's several theories, again, I didn't make this one up, but there are several theories that talk about not only looking at competitors that exist today, which is easy, but think about competitors that might exist in the future, right? So if somebody who wasn't in the market today, a Tesla or a Google, who's not playing in your space today, if they were going to come into your space, what would they do? And I love that thought process because if we're thinking about competition as the current playing field, we're not really challenging ourselves, right? But if we think about competition as people who would come in and completely disrupt the market, all of a sudden the mindset changes. Say, oh yeah, Google was going to do this. This is what they would do. And my answer is, why don't you do it? You're in the industry. They're not. So why wouldn't you be the one to do it? So I always like to encourage people to think about that as well. Good. Thanks for sharing the perspective on competitors, not just to follow them blindly, but to do the analysis to understand what your customers want and what their unmet needs are still that you might be able to respond to. Okay. Excellent. Really appreciate the information about product strategy, how we develop it, your framework for the four four layers, 10 total steps there, details on the website, which we'll make sure the link is in the show show notes, but astrategygeneration.com. As listeners know, we do like innovation quotes. I asked for you to share one and tell us what that means to you too. Yeah. So the quote that I chose here is probably cliche because so many people have referenced this quote. But there's a few things I want to talk about with it, which I like. So it's people don't want to buy a quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole. I'm sure you've probably heard one of your guests reference that at some point in time, if not many, but there's a couple of spins on it. So this is attributed to Theodore Levitt, right? Who wrote the marketing imagination, great product and marketing thought leader. But it's interesting because it's normally attributed to him, but he actually attributes it to someone else named Leo McGinniva who I don't even know if I'm pronouncing their name right, because I don't really even know who he is, to be honest with you. But anything that you read, if you kind of go back to the attribution of the quote, that's who he attributes to it. In any case, the reason I love this quote is because it really reminds you that, especially as a product person, people are not interested in the product itself. They're interested in what the product does. And so whether it's that theory or jobs to be done, or there's any number of different theories that kind of 
talk to that same thought process, but you have to think past the product. Nobody is buying a product just for the sake of buying a product. They're buying a product because it does something for them, either functionally or emotionally. Both of those are right. absolutely true. So it encourages me, and I always keep it in the back of my head because it encourages me to think past the product and think to the needs. And that's something that I think is very important for strategists. I think it's very important for product managers. Always think about what is the underlying need of the product. And in that way, you're going to be less inclined to develop a cool new product and more inclined to develop a product that meets somebody's need and solves somebody's problem. So that's why I chose that quote. And I think it applies to strategy, product development, so many different things. And I just love it. So that's it. Yeah, I like that quote very much too. I did not know it was attributed to Leo. I have to look up Leo and see if I can figure out who he is. <coughs> I have this tried. Is that when I wrote my book, I, I put the quote in there and then I did some research and I, back in the marketing imagination, Theodore Levitt attributed to Leo McGinnivo, but I've been able to find nothing on who he is. So maybe you'll find something. And if you do, tell me. Because <laughs> I'm yeah, equally interested. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a great quote. It goes to that job to be done perspective, right? What is the job that customers actually want? And as you were talking about products, I was thinking, what's the product that comes to mind that I really dislike paying for, but I do it because of what it produces for me? And as much as I love Intuit, and they have been an innovation powerhouse, and they train great product managers and people there, I don't enjoy paying for QuickBooks every month, but I do it because I need some accounting sort of a solution. It's not because I love the product per se. You need an accounting solution. I, exactly, right? Yeah, I think it goes so deep, right? I even in, in, in my book, I talk even deeper than the hole, right? Because if you really think about it, you don't even need a drill for a hole. You need a drill for a hole in right. a place that you need it that doesn't hit something else. And everything. so you can go really deep with it, but I just think it has a lot of, a lot of stamina, <laughs> that quote. Yeah. Yes, it does. Very good. Thank you so much. How can people find out about the work you're doing? Obviously, we shared a link before. Let's make sure we get that out. What, where's the best places for people to find out about your work and the resources you have? Yeah, strategygeneration.com is the best place. That's the website okay. for the company. I have a personal website as well, bobcaparelli.com if you want to go there. I'm a musician composer. I do speaking and other things there. So you can poke around there if you like. But if you're really interested in the subject of product strategy and, and strategy in general, strategygeneration.com is the best place to go. And we have toolkits, training, courses, all kinds of different things. But the free resources, if you go to any one of those things down at the bottom of most every page, there's a place to download some framework that's going to take you to the download page and you'll see all the different frameworks we have there. They're all for free and uh, poke around and see what you like. And if there's any questions, you could use the contact link and get in touch with me and, uh, and uh, we can go from there. Perfect. We'll make sure those are in the show notes. Bob, really appreciate the information. Thanks so much for joining us. You bet. Thank you, Chad. It's been a pleasure. And listeners, once again, if you want to find the written summary of what you talked about, including that one-page action guide we make for you with the key insights that Bob shared, those resources are at productmasterynow.com slash 453. Let's go. Easy for you to download. And as always, everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.